one of the things that uh, everybody understands uh, is that Jesus was a good teacher. I mean, everybody talks about him being a great teacher. And yet the very core of his teaching, many people think is ridiculous. We also notice that in all societies, in all periods of time, there is an understanding of basic goodness. No matter what your religion, no matter what your spirituality, everybody understands that it is cowardice to run from the field of battle. Everybody understands that it is wrong to, to murder in cold blood. Everybody understands that it is, it is good and right to, to do a selfless act. Everybody understands these things. And one of the arguments for the existence of God, you could Google this at some time, called apologetics for God, arguments for God, is this understanding that if all of us have a basic sense of good, where does this come from? There must be some God, some being who is planted in all people, in all times, in all religions, no matter what your walk of life, the understanding that it's not good to steal. Well, at the same time, if there is a God that helps us to understand these things, where does it come from that we all have issues? Where does it come from that we all believe things that are harmful to us? Where does it come from that the people steal, kill? Where, where does it come from that we have issues that we can't get over? The core of Jesus teaches the core of the whole Bible. What it says is there is an actual enemy that's trying to do us harm. There's an actual being. Sometimes he's called Satan. Sometimes he's called Lucifer. Sometimes he's called angel of light. Sometimes he's called father of lies that has as his main objective to separate you from God and therefore to not enable you to have freedom, to keep you from being free. And we can't say that Jesus is a great teacher if we don't see that this is the core of his teaching, the core of what he does. And so today I, I seek not to freak anybody out, but I seek, to, I seek to help you go, oh my goodness, I get it now. No wonder, no wonder uh, there's similar issues that are happening. No wonder I got stuff to get over. In the book of John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. There is a thief, there is a personal entity that's coming to take away your freedom, to come to take away your joy, come to take away any vestiges of a great relationship with God. One of the things that this thief does is he puts us in strongholds. Strongholds is an old military term. The Bible refers to this term. A stronghold is a fortified position. And we have these beliefs that we fortified over time to protect ourselves. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 45, it says this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We're trying to take captive thoughts that are putting us in bondage. Thoughts like we can't be forgiven. Thoughts that, like God doesn't care about you. Thoughts like you have to work, work your way out to prove to God that you're worthy. Thoughts that everybody around you is going to hurt you. Thoughts that you, it's only a matter of time to reject. All of these things are, are lies and these are stronghold, fortified positions we built up around ourselves. You know, one of the lies that we believe, or I believe, or some pastors believe, that, that to encourage people might not be a good thing, because if you encourage people, we'll take a break. Because, you know, one of the pastor's best tools is guilt. You know, that's one of our best tools, you know. So let me just come against that lie for me. This is going to be some great encouragement right now. You know, it's awesome that over the last two months, uh, we're going to actually take up an offering right now uh, in, in a moment, and uh, 
ushers are going to come down or volunteers are going to come down. If you're newer here today, hey, we're just glad you're here. Receive, let it go right on by. But if uh, you've been around, you know, this is how we fuel life change. In this place, in the city, in the world, um, it's pretty exciting. And what's very exciting is the last couple months, man, uh, we've really been doing great financially. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to say, well done, well done. We made a massive co- uh, commitment to Haiti. We had no budget there. And man, you've got, you folks have been stepping up. Awesome. Give yourselves a hand, really. Give yourself a hand. Great, great job. And actually, as the bag comes by, you'll notice a lot of people don't put anything in. And that's because about 25% of us do giving electronically. We've had 174 new people sign up to give electronically. Uh, so that doesn't, re- that doesn't reflect it. Actually, about $400,000 in new commitments electronically. Um, and that, of course, many people might have been doing it the old fuddy-duddy way. If you like doing the old fuddy-duddy way, that's great. You like signing a check, you like doing cash, wonderful, wonderful. For me, important things I do electronically. So whatever you do, I just want to give you some encouragement and say, boy, you know, uh, things have been, um, man, we've been able to pay bills. Thank you, thank you very much. But lies, the lies would tell me, no, no, don't encourage or make sure you put a caveat on that. So the people like, you know, don't take a break. That's ridiculous, man. That's ridiculous. Hey, well done. Well done. Awesome. As we take up an offering, we're going to take a look at some people who have um, an experience with getting free and how they've noticed that there is an enemy that's trying to put them in bondage. Just check, this, check it out. One of the biggest shots in the arm for me of getting free of fear was just reading in Psalms that um, I have clear enemies and I have foes that want to attack me, but because I'm a son, that when they try to do so, they'll stumble and they'll fall. I talked about being a workaholic, and you know, it's just like alcoholism, it's an addiction. So if the, en- the enemy, and I know a lot of times we don't want to say the devil, but if, if the, the devil acknowledges that you're a workaholic, that's where I'm going to attack you. Just keep working, keep doing this, keep working on that project, keep doing, you know, it's a good thing, it's not a bad thing. And if that's taking me away from my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my God as well, then absolutely that's the enemy trying to take me away from what's important and what God has, has me do. It's incredibly freeing because you realize that I'm not necessarily the problem. This isn't internal. It's not unique just to me. It's intimidating because now I realize I have an enemy out there, someone who... Um, doesn't want me to be who I am, someone who doesn't want me to succeed, someone who doesn't want me to be loved, and someone who definitely doesn't want me to be with God. I understood that there was, there was an enemy, um, and I was suiting up to go to battle every single day, and, and there was this common theme <laughs> that, you know, we're at war, um, and if I live my life understanding that, my life changes. I realized that that was all Satan trying to make me feel less than what I was. All those voices inside me um, saying that I wasn't good enough or smart enough or pretty enough or any of those things, that was all just Satan. If you're walking with the devil, you're not gonna feel any encounters with him. But if you're walking in the opposite direction, then you have to confront devil every so often. So I knew that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean everything is going to be smooth from now on. It just means that when you encounter those challenges, you understand there's a, a, a bigger belief system. You, you feel that you'll be okay at the end. There are still times when the enemy tries to creep in and whisper those thoughts in my ear, you know? I think he'll always try to do that. Um, but getting through those moments 
a lot of prayer and a lot of just looking in the mirror and just telling myself, like, Erica, you are beautiful. I know that those things still attack me because they've been there for years and they find fertile ground there and they, they come back. But now I know what I'm dealing with. So there's freedom in just knowing what you're dealing with. There's freedom in knowing that, that the Lord can overtake any and all of that if you call upon him. Freedom to me is um, it's standing on the battlefield. It's standing on the front line and, um, and moving forward. Put on the battle gear, stand on the front line, and I've got a whole bunch of people stand beside me, and we're on the front line, and we're moving, we're advancing the kingdom um, against the enemy. And there's incredible freedom in that. Yeah, yeah as we've looked at in the first couple of weeks, in the beginning of the world's history, we were free, Adam and Eve were free. They were actually the governors over the entire world. They were free to govern as they saw fit. And then they succumbed to a lie that they believed that God was holding out on them. He was like telling them, don't eat of this fruit over here because, you know, it's, he, God's holding out on you. And they succumbed to the lie that was coming through a serpent. And basically when they did this, they handed over governorship. They forfeited their rule of the world. And now, according to Jesus' teachings, we're going to see in a moment, the world is it's actually ruled by a force that causes things to go wrong, that causes you and I to not be joyful, that causes you and I to not be content, that causes not just earthquakes, but pain, division, bondage, all of these things. There is an evil one. There is a personal entity that is actually trying to put us in bondage. We have to fight for our freedom. We're not naturally free. You have to fight for it because there's somebody who's put us in a stronghold that we can choose to agree with or disagree with. And there's three modes, three modes that this, uh, this evil one uses to put us in bondage. Number one is the world. For also referred to as the ways of this world. The world is seen as uh, a matrix that we live in, that it's constantly trying to make us dissatisfied. The ways of the world isn't just that tsunamis happen and that viruses take place. These are not our God's original plan. It's not just those obvious things. But the ways of the world would tell us that unless we have the latest fashion, we're ugly. Unless we have a few sizes down, we're not beautiful. Unless we actually earn our, earn our way, God's not going to accept us. The ways of this world tells us to not be generous, to hoard, look out for number one. The ways of this world tells us there's no way that two people can win at anything. There's always a loser, so always make sure you get the better end of the deal. The ways of this world, well, I could just go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. The ways of the world would tell us that all cops don't work 40 hours and eat jelly donuts. The ways the world would tell us, let's pigeonhole cops, let's pigeonhole uh, mega church pastors as having some sweetie on the side or some strange thing happening with them. Because certainly there's not, you know, there's nothing, there's got to be something weird wrong. The ways the world would tell us to demonize somebody of a different race or of a different perspective or a different income level. Well, I could, I go on, on and on and on and on and on. This is the matrix in which we live in the book of James chapter 4, verse 4. It says this, don't you know that Friendship with the world means enmity against God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This doesn't mean that you can't enjoy your life. This does not mean that you shouldn't have friends. In fact, friends with different spiritual perspectives. But what it's saying is, if you feel totally at home and happy with living where you are and agreeing with the world systems, the world matrix that makes us believe certain things or do certain things because everybody's doing it, that's just the way it is. I mean, if I feel it, I do it. 
If we feel at home here, if we feel like the world is going, everything going the way I want it, then we're actually setting ourselves against God because this world is infiltrated by systems that have set themselves apart entirely from God. Another mode of the evil one trying to pull us in bondage is what's called the flesh. We all know the phrase, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. That comes from the Bible. The flesh delineates this idea that there's an aspect of who I am that has the propensity to do wrong all the time. Even though I received Jesus and the Bible says I have grace and God gives me forgiveness and he works a new work in me, all of these things are true. And I am like a warped piece of wood where I want to snap back into being warped at any moment. There's a, there's a part of me that, that just does wrong, that struggles with things. You know, uh, people say, well, man, the devil made me do it. No, the devil made me do it. You're just a lazy ass. That's all it is. Don't try to, <laughs> don't try to blame it on some demons out there. Some, no, no, you're not wrestling with your flesh. There is an aspect of our responsibility. In the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 3, it speaks to this and says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The ruler of the kingdom of the air. In other words, this is the, the system that the evil one infiltrates and causes our world to, to operate by. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature or flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Our sinful nature, our flesh, will naturally cause me to go after myself, naturally cause me to be selfish, naturally cause me to take advantage of people. And this puts me in bondage. I can't be free. And then the third mode through which the evil one tries to put us in bondage, hold on to your seats very tightly right now, is demons demons or the demonic, the demonic. See, try as we like to say these things don't exist and we seem to not have the standard demonic things that you can see in our country as does happen in other parts of the world. It does happen um, like stuff that Jesus dealt with. We don't see that as often physically here in our country for whatever reason. But nonetheless, Jesus regularly interacted with personalities, entities that were trying to cause us harm, trying to put us down, trying to cause us to not be free. And just because we can't see this realm or see these entities doesn't mean they're not real. I was thinking about this when I recently finished a book by Dave McCullough, Path Between the Seas, um, uh, Construction of the Panama Canal. Fascinating book. And of course, if you know anything about that story, uh, people were just coming down with diseases left and right. And they believed that the reason was they were digging in the dirt and there were poisonous gas pockets that when the shovels would hit, the poisonous gas would come up and cause people to be sick. That was the best theory they had. And some scientists and researchers came along and said, no, the thing is there's these things called bacteria and germs and they're being spread by mosquitoes. They said, Paul, that is ridiculous. Bacteria, I've never seen me none bacteria. What are you talking Mosquitoes can't be taking stuff. This is ridiculous. I can't see that. You can't prove that. But nonetheless, it was reality. They were doing the exact wrong things they should have done for their health. They didn't want spiders crawling over the patients in the hospital ward. So they put pools of water, little, bed, little pans filled with water inside, uh, on top of all of the um, bedposts to keep spiders from going over the moat and coming up. And they were creating breeding grounds for mosquitoes right at the foot and at the head of all the beds. Eventually, of course, 
We had empirical tools to be able to measure that and prove that. And maybe, maybe, someday there'll be some sort of empirical tool to measure a realm that's not visible to the naked eye. Yet why is it we all struggle with the same issues or similar issues? Yet why is it that so many bad things are happening? Why is it that I, I keep getting the same impressions? Perhaps it's because there is an enemy who has your number. And believing that and that is no less reasonable than believing that germs could be transported by mosquitoes before it was able to be scientifically proven. I actually believe this, and I think if you believe this, you'll start to see why you may be in bondage, and you'll start to know, okay, here's how I need to go against this. Here's how I need to fight against this. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 12, he said this, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of the world will be driven out. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about the, the, the being who is operating the systems and putting us in bondage. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says this. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's what he is. That's, he gets us to agree with and believe things that are just not true and don't lead to a free and joyful life. Think of yourself coming home one day and you look out your back window and there's some gypsies out in the backyard. Is there, there, there's such a, still such a thing as gypsies? I hope that's not a negative term. You never know if you're saying something that's not right, but... Uh, God loves gypsies. He really does. But imagine some gypsies are out there and they're, you know, they're, they, they, you look out your back window and the gypsies are uh, putting a tent up back there. And you think to yourself, what? what in the world is that about? But then you think, well, you know, they're probably not going to be there long. I've got this house. I'm not using that piece of property out there. I'll just shut my mouth and just, you know, let them be. A few days later, you come back and they got a concrete pad poured out in your backyard. You think, that's, that's, taken, that's taking some ground that I wouldn't have given up. But again, I haven't been using that land. I'm in here, whatever. And time continues to go on. And before you know it, there's actually a permanent structure with a fireplace inside of it. And all these gypsies are doing what men and women do. And they're reproducing themselves. And they're inviting, inviting in their relatives. And before you know it, you've got a whole colony Outside of, your, outside of your property. At some point, you may come to realize, whoa, 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 whoa. I have agreed with the lie that that was yours, but now I realize, no, that is not yours. I need to retake my land. Actually, in our country, we have what, what is called the law of adverse possession. What means is if somebody squats on a piece of land and the rightful owner doesn't drive them off, after a certain period of time, they actually own that land. If you put your driveway and it's going over on your neighbor's lawn, neighbor's land, and there isn't a survey done, there isn't action taken, eventually they can make a case. You forfeited the rights to your land. You were silent about it. And now they own it. This is similar to the spiritual realm. When we agree with lies, when we agree with the enemy taking pieces of our life and we're silent and we say nothing about it, we lose pieces of ourselves. When we agree that all men are jerks, we give up a piece of our land. It's, it's like we, we give up a piece of our life. When we agree and just allow the belief to persist that anybody who gets close to me is going to hurt me. We lose a piece of ourselves. We, we allow an entity to set up camp in our mind. When, when we agree with and don't take action, that whatever, 
Everybody is this way, or that's just the way I am, or I can never be forgiven, or I, I hope that person rots in hell, or I, whatever, whatever it is that is not a belief of Jesus, but is a lie, and we allow that to take place, we lose a piece of ourselves. And what happens, we have to go back and beat off the squatters. Now, this is, this, some of us might be thinking of realizing what our stronghold is, and you might not want to actually beat off the squatters. You might not actually go after that belief, that false belief, because it works for you. It works for you. So if you believe that, you know, God is only going to give to you what you work on, that's sort of a, what some would call a performance strong. Well, it works for you, man. You'll, you'll, you'll make a lot of money that way. It'll just hurt your relationship with God, but it kind of works for you. If you believe that, if you believe that it's only a matter of time till somebody hurts you, because you got rejected at some point. Some might call this a, bond, uh, a, a stronghold of rejection, is what I've heard it called by, by some. Um, you, maybe somebody hurt you a long, long time ago, and what you do is you take a fortified position, a stronghold. One of the things the Bible says, don't give the devil a foothold. That's what invading territories do. They get a beachhead, they get a foothold, they set up camp and they spread out. So if you've been hurt at some point and you've just believed that everybody is going to hurt you, what happens is you set up a stronghold around and guess what? In many ways it works for you because no one can hurt you because no one's come into your life. But you also can't enjoy intimacy. You, you can't enjoy joy. You can't enjoy new relationships and friends because a stronghold is keeping people out. In a sense, it's working for you because you haven't been hurt for a while, but also you haven't been joyful and experienced the wonderment of how God has created other people and the, and the full pain and also the full joy of interacting with people. I've been going through this book. How good has this uh, journal been? Come on, my goodness. At some point over the next couple of weeks, we'll put photos and names of the people who've been most responsible for this, uh, just so we can thank them. You know, that's one of the things we like to do is thank people as humans, um, which what God puts in us. Well, why do we like to thank people? It's a good thing that God's actually wired into us. I, I was actually interested when I was reading this, because I must tell you, I thought, well, I, I kind of wrote a book on this, and, uh, and they, actually, they actually used my book as source material, so I didn't really plan on learning much, but I said, well, I'll do this thing because, you know, I want to do what everyone else is doing. And my goodness, hello, this thing is like spanking me, turning me over its knee and spanking me. And it feels good too. It's a good feeling kind of spanking. I'm reading this, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm getting, I'm getting tagged, utterly tagged on the bottom of page, uh, page 19, you know, my belief. I'm going, filling all this stuff out, and I realize a core belief, a core belief that I have, a lie that I've chosen to agree with that I believe is that God's grace, mercy, and blessings are a finite resource, so I must grab them when I can and expect them not to last. This is a ripple effect that actually transfers through a bunch of the things in my life, and I started to realize, my goodness, I thought I had this lick, but actually I still have remnants of a stronghold of religion. I said, religion? You don't struggle with religion. Well, you're you might be defining religion the wrong way. Some people think religion is pews and people wearing strange outfits and smells and bells and all that kind of stuff. And um, <laughs> that can be religion. That, that can be religion. And that also can be helpful or hurtful. But really, at its heart, what religion is, it's a system that you feel like you can work in order to manipulate God. So if I do these right things... Boom, boom, boom. Then God will bless me. If I don't do these wrong things, then God won't bring me pain or difficulty. And then constantly if somebody's doing better than me, 
then I'm left to feel like, oh my goodness, I'm not measuring up. God's only got a limited good amount of stuff. He must go over there. They must be working harder than me. Or, or how this hurts is then if you have pain come into your life, you realize, oh, wow, I guess I, guess I haven't been working the system. And, and, and actually, there's some good things about this. There's no question that this mentality that I need to please God has led to a drive, a work ethic. It's definitely been one of the pieces to drive to a growing church. What's all happening here at Crossroads is great is certainly from the hand of God. It comes through His grace and He used various means. And I, I must say at times, this stronghold has served me well because it's, you know, been the thing that's gotten me up in the morning and caused to do X, Y, Z. But nonetheless, it actually puts me in bondage. It causes me to not enjoy things that are happening. It causes me to think that, oh no, everything rises and falls on me. And oh no, what if the next week I have nothing to say? God's not going to be happy. And oh no. It's, it's, it's bondage. It's utter and complete bondage. Another one of mine, uh, stronghold, is, is something around abandonment. I feel like people are going to abandon me. Uh, it's funny. I've watched some of those videos. And uh, there's a guy who's up this week and also week one, uh, Evans Nwanko, good guy. And I saw him up on the screen. I thought, oh my goodness, wonderful. Evans, you're still around. <laughs> I, didn't, I hadn't seen him for a while. And I just assume, my stronghold makes me assume if I haven't seen anybody, I can assume they've abandoned the church or abandoned me, which is ridiculous. You can leave crosses at any time. Wonderful. God bless you. But I take that personally. You think, why would you take it personally? There's plenty of people here. I take it personally because it's a stronghold. I got to work against that. And yet I see Evans, I'm going, oh, that's right. He lives in Mason. No wonder I haven't seen him for a long time. He's at uh, Crossroads Mason, not Crossroads Oakley, where, where my family frequents. See, when we see these strongholds, we can see the insidious nature of how they keep us captive and keep us from being able to be free and open. Now I want to give you five, um, five quick um, bullet points, five quick bank shot ideas on how to obtain your freedom. And if you're a big note taker, I encourage you not to write these down. You won't keep up. If something just hits you, oh, write that one down. But let me just rattle these off real quick. Number one, see your bondage. See your bondage. At this point, we've got to be able to see that I am not the person I always thought I would be and the person I want to be. I've got issues. I've got things. I've got bones in my closet. You got bones in your closet. How good was that song? Huh? Little Big Town. Gotta love it. I got bones in my closet. I got issues. I got, I got skeletons. I, I, I have stuff that's, that's keeping me back. Harriet Tubman, who was a physically freed slave and then went to free others. Harriet Tubman said this, I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. We must know we are not free. We have to fight for our freedom because we will naturally be born in bondage. See it. Two, speak and pray truth. Speak and pray truth. I just say it. Man, I, I, I am not an unlovable person. Just say it. There's something, there's something a, power, a power to that. Just speaking and praying that truth. I'm, I've been memorizing Acts 17, verse 28. Uh, if you're that part in your guide, one of the things you do to counteract the lies is you fill up the space in your mind with truth. One of the great ways to do that is, is to memorize Scripture. It's truth. And I've been memorizing Acts 17, 28. And I tell you, it's, it's washing over me. It feels good. And I get something every time I think about it. For the Lord made the heaven, the earth, and everything in it. For he is the Lord 
of heaven and earth. And he does not dwell in temples made of human hands as if he needed anything. For he himself gives all men life, breath, and everything else. He himself gives. He can't be manipulated by religious ministrations. He can't be manipulated by goodness. He can't be, I, I, I can't auto my way into his grace. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. He himself gives to all men life, breath, everything is else. I can't construct anything that contains him or impresses him that can lead to bondage. As I think about that and wash it over my mind, I, I feel freeing. It washes out lies. Three, meet with fellow freedom fighters. Meet with fellow freedom fighters. I meet with people, and we need to meet people who are helping fight for our freedom. Uh, your small group, your free group might not last past four weeks. That's fine. But it's important to always be around people who are fighting for your freedom. Hebrews 10 says, Let us not forsake the assembling together, as is the habit of some, but let us encourage one another and admonish one another as the day is drawing near. We need this. If you look at my calendar, uh, I, I interact with people who are building into me and who I can build into. You know, interestingly, uh, talking back to the money one for, for a moment, the ways of the world would say the way a pastor of a large thing needs to conduct himself is figure out who all the big money people are, who the big givers are, and spend time with them. I realized a long time ago that was bondage to me. I need to make decisions to be free. I need to kind of buy the kind of car that makes me free. I need to buy the kind of house that makes me free. I need to structure my life the way it makes me free. And it is utter bondage to feel like there's a few people you're in debt to that they've got to actually do it. That's why you know, no one has any idea who the big givers are around here. And there's many people you might assume are big givers. I have no freaking idea who they are at all, at all. It's wonderful because we're most free when we're all in it together. And I want to be around people who are about freedom, who are about freedom, whatever our position, economic position, spiritual position, whatever. We need to be around people who are freedom fighters. Four, I need to resist and redirect. Resist and redirect. I need to notice that my flesh is going to be coming at me. It might be the ways of the world. It might be my flesh. It might be an actual personality that's trying to get me to do something. But nonetheless, whichever of those three it is, and by the way, I, I, I don't recommend highly trying to figure out which one of those three it is. I don't recommend it very highly trying to, you know, identify name of a demon or figure out. I, I, I just don't just recognize, hey, something's trying to take my freedom. I need to resist it and I need to redirect. In the book of First Peter, it says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same sufferings. Why are people undergoing the same sufferings with similar issues? Because there's a common enemy who has common tactics. And once you become aware of this, it, it is as noticeable as a roaring lion. It's like when I notice these lies, I'm like, oh my goodness, the evil one is trying to enjoy me feeling this way. It is a roar of a lion. My abandonment will cause me, after I discipline one of my kids, Almost this always happens. When I discipline one of my kids, I'm a fairly good disciplinarian except for one thing. When I discipline my kids, like very shortly after, I think, oh no, they're going to be mad at me. They're going to hate me for the rest of my life. Oh no, we're never going to have Thanksgiving meals together. Oh no, oh no. And I realize 
I realized, gosh, this is the growl of lion that wants to cause me to feel like, oh, they're going to abandon me. They're going to abandon me too at some point. And oh no, this is not going to work. This is ridiculous. That's a stronghold. I need to resist and redirect my energies towards that. And then five, five, enjoy your freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right, right. The point of life is not to find a demon under every bush and behind every door. The point of life is not to tear down strongholds. The point of life is not to be moral. Where where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we only go after these strongholds and understand this enemy, not because we're to be fixated on this stuff, but because ultimately we're to enjoy our freedom. Hey, here's an idea. Enjoy your life. (laughs) Enjoy your life. Be free. We understand these things so we can be free, not so we can go through new religious exercises, calisthenics. Now enjoy your life. Now, one of the powerful things that took place from the beginning of time, we saw that Adam and Eve were free and they gave over, in a sense, their authority to the evil one. God comes into the scene and utters uh, what's been called curses or pronouncements of the way the world will be forever. And... uh, one of the interesting things he says is, you, woman, you know, I'm going to set up enmity between you and the snake, you and the evil one, and your offspring um, will have your heel bruised, but at the same time, you will bruise his head, meaning you will be nipped and you will be, have all kind of stuff done to you as a result of the ways of this world that's now broken, but ultimately, you're going to bruise his head. <laughs> He's going to mess with you. But man, ultimately, you're going to be victorious. And then God's son comes along thousands of years later, Jesus, and he is the ultimate victor. And actually, here's what it says in the book of Romans chapter 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. The Bible also refers to us as more than conquerors. We are conquerors. So what this says is the way that the evil one gets beaten back is God crushes his works under our feet. Doesn't just magically take away. I work it out and I crush the lies of the evil one underneath my feet because Jesus has triumphed over the evil one through his grace on the cross. A lot of deep stuff here today, but I'm helping us see the through line goes throughout the entire Bible on this. So here's what we're going to do. Take out your little Sharpie. I'll give you a Sharpie here today. Hopefully you got one you came in. We're going to physically walk this verse out. We're going to tread under our feet the lies. We're going to crush the head of the lies that's been working on us for this entire week. Um, so what we're going to do is, uh, if you can like, get your shoe up and write on it, great. Otherwise, go ahead. Hopefully you've got clean socks on. Um, <laughs> We're going to write the lie that you believe, and this is going to be a reminder for you to crush it all week long. We want to wear these lies down. These lies have been wearing us down. These lies have been putting us, quote unquote, in our place. These lies have been sapping us of our energy. These lies have kept us from having an intimate relationship. These lies have caused us to have an attitude towards God. These lies have caused us to have sleepless nights. These lies haven't served us. They've put us in bondage because an enemy wants us to be in bondage. Here's the other thing, too. The enemy really doesn't care how much money you have or how much health you have. He really doesn't care that at all. All he cares about is that you don't know Jesus. All he cares about is that you're not free. And if he can have you have scads of money and great health but not have Jesus, great, that's fine. That's all he cares about. 
And if he can cause you to have bitterness and fear by having not money and not having physical health, fine. He'll use that too. He just wants you to not have the freedom giver. I'm going to write stuff down. I'm going to tread on these lies. Like, God, while we write these down, I pray you quicken our minds right now. Help us to know something that needs to be tread down and beaten down, that a lie that is grinding us down. Lie like God's grace is limited. Is limited and chained to my obedience. 